Okay, let's try it now. Is that better? Well, I want you to know that um, my wife would have liked to have been here this morning, but she uh, woke up this morning, she wasn't feeling very well. So she's at the hotel and uh, praying for us. So that's great. Well, I want you to know I have a new grandson. He was born on Thanksgiving Day. He's the cutest little guy in the world. I have three grandchildren. And I feel like I I really didn't know what I was about until my grandkids started coming along. I feel like I've just been born again almost. And that I'm a consummate grandfather. When the first one came along, I said, um, Sophia, she's four now, um, call me Grandpa. She said, Guagua. I said, no, Grandpa. She said, Guagua. And so I've been Guagua ever since. And when the second one came along, she couldn't say guagua. So to her, I am gaga. (laughs) Now don't go where I know that some of you are going. I'm not Lady Gaga. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm um, interested to find out exactly what my grandson who is called Liam, which is an Irish name, Liam Oliver Lafferty. And what he's going to call me. And every time something new happens to us, one of the things we find is that it's the time to kind of think through things. And we're at the beginning of a new year. And I feel very privileged to be here this morning and for um, Cameron to be able to, or to be willing to let me speak to you at the beginning of a new year. Now, New Year, the New Year time is a time for New Year's resolutions, right? I don't know how many of you make them and break them, (laughs) probably the same day as I do, but I think it's always good to set goals. And one of the things we find in the New Testament that there was something that Jesus looked forward to as he was coming to the end of his life. And in John chapter 16, verse 7 through um, 16, we find that Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's sharing something with them. He's he's saying, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, I don't know if you can figure out exactly how the disciples must have felt. Mm -hmm. They had been three years with him. Three really good years and sometimes difficult years. Coming to understand that this man that they had followed for the three years was not only a man and a teacher, they were coming to understand that he was the Son of God. And now he's saying to them, 
It's to your advantage that I go away. And we see here in this passage of Scripture that he lists some of the things that are going to happen as a result of his going away. And as we read through this, to be, to be, um, to be realistic, I feel like every time I read through this, Jesus is excited. He's excited as he's sharing these words. Because there's something that is going to happen that's a new economy. We know that while Jesus was on the earth, he walked full of the Holy Spirit. His ministry was birthed through the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit came on him, as he came up out of the waters of baptism, And now he's coming to the end of his ministry. And you know what I sense that he's he's saying? Is that what I experienced, being full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a chance to experience. Because I'm leaving. And when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, what happened? Because Jesus says, stay here in Jerusalem until... What I talked about, what I promised you, comes about. And so they're all in the upper room. We read about in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And they're waiting. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be in that upper room. Wait here until what I have told you happens. And suddenly we find that the Holy Spirit shakes the building. Can you imagine what it would be like if suddenly, and I would imagine we have about 120 here this morning, if suddenly this building shook, would that um, wake you up? I grew up in Southern California, and I never got used, used to the earthquakes that we had there. There was one time in which uh, I was laying in bed, and I I felt like the earthquake was going to shake me right out of bed. Earthquakes shake us. They get our attention. And as the Holy Spirit came on them in the upper room, he shook the building first. Because I would imagine they didn't have a clue what was going to happen. And some of them were praying, and some of them were playing dice, and and suddenly the building shook. And then we find something else happens. These little tongues of fire come dancing in, and they sit on each one of them over their heads. And then they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly they're probably thinking, this is what he was talking about. This is the thing that he was talking about when he says it's your advantage. <coughs> Can I have water, please? Thank you. It's your advantage that I go away. And what happened? The church was born. Jesus knew that that was going to happen. And I want us to understand at the beginning of this year 
that when new things happen, it's good to think about what happened and to stick with what happened. The Holy Spirit really was the agent that gave birth to the church. And I don't believe the church can function aside from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things we find in Acts chapter 2, it says the Holy Spirit came on each of them, all of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as a tongue of fire came and rested on them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began speaking in tongues. I believe that what we find with the gift of tongues is that it's a gift that really is designed to encourage us. It's not a gift that's designed for me, for you, me to exercise for you. It's a gift that is given to all of us for the purpose of blessing us and encouraging us and edifying us. I find every time that I speak in tongues, and I want you to know that I grew up as a very conservative Baptist. And when we heard, when I heard that some of my friends were beginning to speak in tongues, I stayed away from them. It was kind of like they have a disease. Keep away from them. That's the way we handled it. But in reality, I didn't understand what tongues was about. It's an individual gift given to each person for the purpose of encouragement. So Paul could say, I speak in tongues more than you all when he's writing to the Corinthian church. And they spoke in tongues a lot. And they got in trouble with tongues. And yet Paul could say, I speak in tongues more than you all. But when he said that, he was saying basically that I need tongues. And I think he needed tongues because of the fact that he spent a tremendous amount of time by himself in dangerous places. He knew that tongues was, the purpose of tongues was encouragement. And so we find that the Holy Spirit releases the gift of tongues on the New Testament church because I believe the Holy Spirit knew what the New Testament church was going to be facing. And some of us have looked at the world today as Christians, and we've gotten a bit discouraged. Some things happening today that are not so fun, not so encouraging. And I believe what the Father wants us to understand, that he has given us and made available to us a gift and made available to us his Holy Spirit, that we might exercise tongues, we might enjoy tongues, and we might stay full of the Holy Spirit for, for the purpose of being in this world as a light and as salt in this world, to be a voice in this world, it's a voice of encouragement and love and blessing. And so what we find is that the apostles in the New Testament, including Paul, 
are very interested in encouraging the church to stay full of the Holy Spirit. (coughs) In fact, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Greek language, that keep being filled is continuous. It's never intended to stop. So the church starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's purpose is that we continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we are aware of when the Holy Spirit fills us, that there are a whole series of gifts that are made available. I kind of look at it like this. One of the best, best illustrations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a bag of clubs. How many, of you, how many of you have played golf? Okay, that's a good group. Wow, it looked like it was about 80%. I don't think I've ever been in a church before <coughs> where that many people have raised their hand. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. If you had to play golf with one club, that's all you had, what club would that be? You ever thought about it? (laughs) I've thought about it a lot. Now those of you who play golf, how many of you would rather play with a whole bag? than one club. You know what we find the gifts of the Spirit are like? When we are full of the Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit says, here, you've got the whole bag. Come on. Because we never know where the ball is going to go. (coughs) Depending upon how long you've been playing. My first full game was a disaster. I was playing in Colorado. And I got out my driver, which I never should have played with, because I hadn't worked it through yet. And I stood up to tee off, and the ball, I hit the ball, sliced it, it went over like this, and bounced off a rock and hit a woman right in the middle of the forehead. Now the golf course was surrounded by condominiums and townhouses. And she was a cleaning lady. She was carrying a whole lot of sheets like this and kaboom. And I, I, you know, flat out on the ground. Of course, I dropped my club and the other guys that I was playing with, they dropped their clubs and we went running over to check and see what she was, how she was. And there was a big egg forming in the middle of her forehead. We picked her up, carried her into the house, put her on the sofa and got some ice, put the ice on the, on the egg. And I turned to the other guys and I said, guys, to be honest with you, I think this is a sign from God. I'm not supposed to take up golf. They said, no, 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 no. 
This could have happened to any one of us. And the other lady that was with her said, you go on and play, and I'll take care of her. And so I was convinced to get back into the game. Later on in the game, about the eighth hole, I got a birdie, which is a hole in two. And I was encouraged. And I thought, hmm, this is better. Okay, now, that's one story. About the third time I played, the same thing happened. I sliced it. It went over, bounced off a street. I was playing in Denver, Colorado. And there was a north-south boulevard. It was 7 o'clock in the morning, rush hour. And my ball went, hit the street, and went up under a lumber truck and went booga, 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 booga <laughs> off the bottom of the truck in the street. And the driver slammed on his brakes. The whole truck skidded sideways <laughs> and dumped a load of lumber and blocked the north-south thoroughfare in Denver during rush hour traffic. I looked at my friends again, some of which played with me in the first game, and I said, if it wasn't just the first time, this is another indication. Now my tee-off shot made the morning news. People have asked me, did you go get your ball? Not on your life. <laughs> okay, now I share those two stories with you because that's the way it is for some of us when we start exercising the gifts of the Spirit. That's good. Come on, that's good. That's a good word. And we just say, Father, this is not for me. I like the idea of the gifts, but it's not me. I, sh I shouldn't try it. And we don't continue on. Now I want you to know, several months ago, I scored an 84 in a game. Now that's a good score. And I continue to play. I enjoy it as a game. But I also enjoy being full of the Holy Spirit. And enjoy having the whole bag of clubs. Now, do I play with one club? Some people say that. You've got one, one gift. I believe Scripture is more clear about the fact that when the Holy Spirit fills us, what we end up with is a whole bag of clubs. And when I get ready to minister, I never know exactly which one of the gifts I'm going to need. And that's the way it is in golf. And if the ball's in the rough or the ball's in the sand pit, you need a different club. We need different gifts. And sometimes I find prophecy comes up. And as I w I've been holding my little grandson, Liam, and rocking him, 
trying to get him to sleep. Suddenly, the prophetic gift comes awake in me. And I start seeing his future. And I pray into his future. And I see what the Father has in mind. And I find that prophecy for me when I'm holding my grandson becomes a means by which I can specifically pray for my grandson. And that's one of the main purposes of prophecy. Now, he has no clue what I'm saying. He's trying to figure out what I am, <laughs> let alone what I'm saying. So he looks up at me. You know, this whole area of the work of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit is an incredible thing. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because he knew that when he went away and the Holy Spirit came, we were going to be playing the game of life as Christians with a whole bag of clubs. And that we are going to have an adventure. Yeah. Now he knew also that the Holy Spirit was not just going to bring just not going to bring gifts. He was going to bring fruit. Now, which is the most important? For my background, we said that fruit was important. Gifts were not for today. What? That's like saying, in the game of golf, the clubs are not for today. Right? That's crazy. I knew that I needed the fruit and the gifts. There were times in playing golf <laughs> that I needed more of the fruit. Because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to give up. There were times in which I felt like I lost my salvation four times in that game. I wanted to give up. I wanted to bend my clubs and throw them in water, the water traps. That's when I needed the fruit of the Spirit. And see, that's what we need. We need the fruit of the Spirit. If we're going to be involved in exercising the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to need the fruit of the Spirit. But the most important thing is that we are full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, at the beginning of this year, I would like you, I'd like to encourage you. It's what I believe is a father in the Lord. Yeah. I'm 70 years old. I've been involved in ministry for over 47 years. And I believe in that period of time, I've earned the right to be considered a father type <laughs> in the Lord. Okay, you understand that? And so I want to challenge you at the beginning of this year to get involved in an adventure. Come on. Amen. And that adventure is basically this. Starting off your day and inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you. To me, inviting the Holy Spirit to fill me at the beginning of the day means that 
It's like I'm beginning to focus. Like the old cameras, we had to hand focus. Now there's automatic focus. Or the old radios, where you're focusing the dial in on the station. We need a time to focus. Focus on the Holy Spirit. And just say, Holy Spirit, I'm available to you in this day. I would like to enter in to the adventure of really knowing what it's like to be full of your spirit. And so I have a special place in my living room. It's a chair. And I get my coffee and sit in that chair. The first thing that I do is I just say, Holy Spirit, come, fill me. Because I want in any given day to be full. To have the full bag of clubs. To have the fruit that I'm going to need to keep me continuing on in the game. And that's what I believe that Jesus was saying when he looked at the disciples and he says, guys, I want you to know it's to your advantage that I go away. Because there's somebody that is coming that the Father is going to send that is going to be like me, only be in you. And he's going to make life an adventure. And I find every day that I take time to get full of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and live full of the Holy Spirit, I find that day becomes much more of an adventure, a good adventure. Now, I haven't, I haven't hit too many women in the head. <laughs> and I haven't ruined the traffic in too many cities recently. But I've had a tremendous adventure. Yeah. Encouraging and blessing discouraged people. I'll give you one example. I've been living in Toronto for the last 15 years. And our bank is in a little community. For some reason, our bank was robbed four times, or three times in four weeks. A guy would come in with a mask. He'd hand a, hand a, a note off to the tellers in the bank and say, I'm here to rob you. I've got a gun in my pocket. Fill this bag with money. And then he'd walk out. And he did it again and again. And the tellers in the bank became paranoid. Every time a man of a certain build would come, would walk in the door. They just go high into the right. And one day, I thought, what can I do? And so we let them know, my wife and I let them know that we're Christians. We prayed for them often. I said, would you mind if I came into the bank and sat on that chair over there and spent the whole time praying for you? 
I don't have a gun. I'm not a security guard. I don't have a karate black belt. But I know that God loves you. And so we did that. Kind of rotated a little bit. And the interesting thing is, within a very short period of time, the robber was arrested. And the robbery stopped in my bank and other banks in the area. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit can do. What can I do that's practical to help the community that I live in? He gives us wisdom, the specifics of what we can do. And every time we walk in that bank, a big smile comes on their face. They know we love them. We've had more and more an opportunity through time to, uh, to share, to pray for them, and to minister to them. That's what it's, it's like to just say, Father, at the beginning of this day, I want to be full of your Holy Spirit. Yeah. Fill me. And we're going to conclude this morning just having the opportunity to do that very thing. Now, if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you probably don't have a clue what I've been talking about. That's where it starts. You say, Lord Jesus, I want to find out what that's like. And I know that I need, I need something in life. Would you be my Savior and my Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth. Thank you for being willing to send your Holy Spirit. I want to step into salvation in you, and I want to walk in the fullness of your Spirit. So right now, let's just open our hands and close our eyes. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come. Now, if you know the Lord, he already is in you. But it's important that we ask him to fill us. Lord, I ask at the beginning of this year that you would just fill each one here with your Holy Spirit. That you help help each one walk full, live full of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. A couple of months ago, 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Fred, I want you to know that the easiest thing in the world is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, you don't have to work at it. He said, I'm the filler and I love filling my people, my kids. So you're the fillies. And he's the filler. And all that you have to do is turn your thoughts momentarily toward him. And he'll fill you. And the whole bag becomes yours to enjoy. And the whole bowl of fruit becomes yours to enjoy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Bless you. Good morning. I have a few announcements for you today. The